podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas, and in this episode, I'm joined by the GOAT, Nathan Lyon. I get to ask him some of my burning questions about the Australian cricket team. Before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by NordVPN and you can head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered for a special offer which also includes a money back guarantee. And there's never been a more important time than right now to have a VPN due to the rise of cybercrime. With a VPN, you can protect all your private browsing data and give yourself peace of mind that you'll be secure from people stealing that data. Head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. It's also a great way of keeping up with all the action over the summer. If you're travelling, you can switch your virtual location and use your normal sports viewing app. So head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. Now to Nathan Lyon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas, and I've got a man that needs no introduction, the GOAT, Nathan Lyon. Nathan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Menas. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. It's, it's been quite a year for Australian cricket, winning the World Test Championship, retaining the Ashes, and now winning a World Cup. Uh, it must have been so good for you at the Oval to 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 hit that pinnacle and and win win the World Test Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like uh, it feels about four years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was an amazing moment. Um, I've said it before that that was my World Cup um, and something that uh, I had pinned on my wall at home for a, a long time that I wanted to win that one. You know, there's a lot of talk after the the World Cup win as well that, you know, this generation now is really starting to put down a, a marker that the World Test Championship, the World Cup, the World T20 World Cup, I mean, does it does it fill you with pride that what this group's starting to do? Oh, yeah, there's always pride there, um, no matter um, what team uh, representing Australia that you, you, you're a part of, there's a, a lot of that, but it fills you with a lot of joy seeing how much, seeing the guys that you play a lot of cricket with and, um, and growing up and with and, and seeing the guys, the way they perform at the highest level in different formats and seeing what they've been able to do, it's, yeah, it fills you with a lot of pride, pride as you said, but also joy and um, some very happy moments. Great to see the team win the World Test Championship. And then we went into the, the Ashes series and... That partnership between you and Pat at Edgbaston, where, where you got Australia home to get that win, what did you put on? 55 runs to win it. That was just so special for the fans. What, what was it like for you to to, do, to win a game for Australia off the stick? Yeah, I dare say it's going to go down as one of the high, biggest highlights of my career. Obviously, with the ball in hand, I'm expected to win games of cricket. Um, but with when it comes down to the bat in hand, it's... You're not expected to win many games, especially when you need to chase down 55 in the first Ashes series, Ashes Test match of a of a series. So, no, it's it's, it's probably the pinnacle. Yeah, the more I think about it, and I won't lie, I've watched the uh, watched the highlights <laughs> a few times when since I've been back. But it's it's something that has been very special, um, very enjoyable, 
and hopefully I'd, I'd love to be able to recreate that some some other time. I remember that one shot where you just I knew you guys were going to win when you just you probably didn't but when you just flicked one over mid on for four. It was just a beautiful on drive. I remember who was off, but that was one Still of the broad. yeah one of the sweetest shots I've seen you hit. Uh, this probably is the sweetest shot I've ever hit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still didn't think – I didn't know that we are going to win when I did that, but always obviously hope for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and then, um, you know, we, we went into this Ashes and the Ashes actually drove me mad. Like the English team, the English fans, they just really got under my skin, this Ashes series. And I saw you on the front bar last week. And it's not like you, but you, you came on the front foot. You said Vaz Ball was a load of shit. Do, do I get that the, the, you know, the bashing of the chest by the English, that they're, they're saving crickets, kind of you know, getting under the skin of the you, maybe? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it's getting under the skin. I, I find it quite funny. Um, they're, they're playing an aggressive brand of cricket and hats off to them. But I look at, uh, I've been I was very fortunate enough to, to play with a guy called David Warner for the last 13, 13 years in, in Test cricket, and you look at his record, he's someone that plays an uh, extremely aggressive brand of cricket, and he has done has done from the, from his debut. So I, I find it quite funny, but baseball is baseball, and I'm 2 0 against baseball, so <laughs> it doesn't worry me. Uh, yeah, I found certain things annoying that they were talking about the spirit of cricket after the Lord's Test, but you know, I felt that at times the English team didn't really respect the game. Like when Australia was 1-0 up in the ashes, they were talking about a, you know, moral victory at Edgbaston and then after Lords, they weren't there was no credit given to the Australian team for the win. Did you get a sense that they're kind of in their own world or something over there? Uh yeah, yeah, definitely, but um it's quite um important that we stay present and stay in our own bubble and Try only control what we can control, and that's the brand of cricket that we want to play and, and the style of cricket. So, we we did that, especially the first two games that I was involved in. Um, I must say, it was pretty hard to watch when I got home. But yeah, all the, all the chat is that, that's just England, um, and hats off to them. They they play they did they did ended up playing um, some decent cricket in the in the three, four, and five test matches, but. Um, Still nice to see the boys come home with the trophy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But as well, like like after the Lord's Test, like the crowds were just on the team, on the Aussie team. Like they were just abusing them, giving it to them left, right and centre. I know you were back here, so you sort of missed most of that. But it, it didn't seem to me like the spirit of cricket was both ways. When, you know, it sort of suited England at the right when they wanted it. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's really hard to say when I'm not there. I know I missed all the abuse because... Uh, I actually had a lot of English fans wish me all the best um, when I was hobbling my way through the um, Heathrow Airport. Um, so it was quite quite unique to uh, be leaving the, the, the series midway um, and coming home and seeing the effect of, of the ashes that it has on the Australian public, which is which was amazing to see. But, um, yeah, it's really hard to comment when, when I wasn't there and wasn't able to... Um, soak in the atmosphere or, or see the see the way the fans and and the English stuff were over, over there. Yeah, you sauntered through the lo- you hopped through the long room though. Um, did you cop any abuse when you were doing that, or did they? Are they when eased- I was batting. Yeah, when you were hobbling through, or did you no, eased up by then? I think um, there was um, a lot of a lot of respect there, and a lot of people asking why and or, or calling me um, might be stupid to be doing it, but. Um, I've said it many times before, I love this team. Um, I love the Australian cricket team and 
I'll do anything for it. And, and I also didn't like the at the end of the series the whole hullabaloo about having a, a drink together, like a like. Like you're, it's part of your, you know, you've been in the ashes so many times. Traditionally, the teams have a drink together. And like, why didn't Stokes and Co just say no if they didn't want to? Uh, yet again, hard, hard for me to, I haven't seen them since. Um, so it's hard for me to comment on that. But um, yeah, it's disappointing. Like, I've what, played seven Ashes series now, I think it is. And, I've been I've been able to and have some enjoyable beers with um with the opposition with the English guys and uh, on a number of occasions with which has been fantastic and that's that's the spirit that in my eyes that's that's spirit of cricket there there and then when you're able to I don't know celebrate or have a beer with um uh, an opposition team member who you've had pretty hard battles over the last five test matches that's that's where your your friendships blossom that's where you, the respect you gain grows even more. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing to hear that they weren't able to do that. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, as a fan, it was a frustrating series because I feel there was a real cultural war that happened between the two countries around qu- cricket. And I think, you know, the run out of um, or the stumping of Johnny Bairstow, you know, there is a bit of a cultural thing there because I think if you're playing village cricket in, in England, you might not do that to somebody. But if you're playing grade cricket here, you definitely would. So... There's just that intrinsic difference that I think a lot of English people play the game to have a pint afterwards, where it's most Aussies play to win. <laughs> Bearstow tried to do it the first inning, so I don't understand what the big hoo-ha over it is. It's it's out. I actually think you know, we need to be giving praise to Alex Carey. Mm, absolutely. We, as Australians, we saw an opportunity, we took it, um, and he, he made the right decision in my eyes, so well done, Alex. Yeah, indeed. All right, so winding back a bit, winding back a bit. So uh, I was looking at your test debut, August 31st, 2011, and this was the team. Shane Watson, Ricky Ponting, Michael Clark, Michael Hussey, a young Usman Khawaj was there, Brad Haddon, Mitchell Johnson. I mean, what was it like? Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes, yeah, indeed. What was it like when you, you know, walked into a dressing room with, like, punter? Intimidating at the start. But like I, had, I grew up with photos of Ponting, Hussey, Haddon, Clark on my wall at home, as as kids. Next minute, you're sitting in the change room, uh, wearing the same clothes, wearing the same baggy green as as these guys, and it's pretty amazing to be sitting there and suddenly they're your teammates. They're, they're the guys you idolised as kids growing up, but now they're your teammates. You're going out for dinner with them. You're having a breakfast with him, having a beer with him after after play, or whatnot. But it's pretty amazing, and um, I was extremely, I am extremely grateful that I've been able to play with the the likes of Ponting and Hussey and Haddon and, and learn off them. Um, in my eyes, they're they're some of the greats of Australian cricket, and their their personal records speak volumes. But it's just those moments where I've been able to sit down and have dinner with them and just listen to them speak about playing test cricket and what, what's required uh, and what's required to achieve at that level. Um, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty special. You know, we hear Ricky Ponting's amazing insights in the commentary box. I mean, was his, you know, was his cricket brain that sharp and did you glean a lot from it? Oh, yeah, 100%. His cricket brain's unbelievable. Um, I used to 
laugh that everyone used to say he wasn't a very good captain of spin bowling. I knew, remember there was a time where he was getting criticised about his captaincy of spin bowling, but he had the, the greatest spin of all time playing under and he just let him go. And um, I feel like pun, punter for me has been probably the biggest influence on my bowling. I feel like when I was bowling to him in the nets, I had that many conversations with him about pace, line, shape, field placements, what I'm trying to do, what he's trying to do, and, and it really gave me an understanding, of, okay, well, this is what I need to do if I want to achieve at the test, test level, and this is how I need to think about the game. Wow. Sounds impressive. So recently Matt Hayden made some comments that he, he didn't want to coach this team, this Australian side. Do you think there is a bit of a cultural or a generational divide after, you know, JL was left, you know, didn't, wasn't, contract wasn't renewed. There was a lot of, you know, blowback from ex-players and you sort of straddled the two because you played with Ponting and so forth. Do you feel like there's a generational divide? Uh, no, no, I don't think there's a generational divide. Uh, I've got some unbelievable friends who have played cricket in in past and I didn't have the privilege to play alongside but I've definitely watched them play and I feel like everyone's entitled to their own opinion and I think that's that's it to a T like um Hayden has come out and said a couple of comments and that that's fine that's that's no stress um but we're extremely happy with Andrew, Andrew McDonald as a, as our head coach I feel like he's doing a fantastic job and um, he deserves all the credit, to be honest with you, to go on to win the Test Championship, retain the Ashes and win the World Cup. It's pretty amazing 12 months that he's had. Oh, absolutely. I did notice from the outside that I thought, you know, players like Gilly and Punter, they actually, once the dust settled on JL, they, they moved on from it and they actually made public uh, moves to, to make sure there was no divide. So you sort of get where... Hayden and, you know, sticking up for his mate. But um, it's good to hear that because, you know, it's so important, I think, in Australian cricket that the knowledge from the, you know, the past generations is, is you know, handed down to the next ones. You know, I think that's what is part of what makes Australian cricket great. It's pretty – well, you look at the group, it's, it's a pretty amazing small group of players who have had the privilege to, to wear the baggy green. Um, off the top of my head, I think we're around 464. Around around that mark, yep. um, so that it's in the big scheme of people who have played first class cricket for the respective states, and to allow only four hundred and sixty odd people to go on and play Test cricket for Australia, it's it's a pretty small group. Um, so I'd love nothing more to have one night and have all the baggy green players, whether you played one, whether you played one hundred and sixty eight, you're invited into a. a I don't know, a big conference room yeah. and sit there and have, have a beer. I, I feel like it'd be quite amazing and pretty pretty special to see. Well, you, and you would have played You would have played with a lot of players in your, you know, 12, 13 years at the top. I mean, you know, I read through a few there, but, um, yeah, you, you must have, you know, played with a lot of amazing players. Oh, incredible, incredible players. Uh, the likes of, I don't know, Pony and Hussey, the Haddon, you, you look at Warner, Smith, Cummins, um, Hayeswood, Stark. These guys, like, there's, there's so many more that I've left off there, but it's it's pretty amazing. In my eyes, if you're able to play one test match for Australia, it's, it's pretty special. Um, I, I set a goal to myself um, very early on that 
I wouldn't call myself a test player until I played 10, 20 test matches for Australia. That was a personal goal, um, and I've been able to obviously tick that off, which is which is um, pretty pretty special. But oh no, you're doing something right if you're able to get a baggy green and 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 wear that. It's something that. I'll never take for granted and something that I'm extremely proud about. What was it like in the 2019 Ashes when JL brought in Steve Waugh and, and those greats to be around the group? Were they good influences? Oh, yeah. Well, yet again, Steve Steve Waugh is obviously a legend of cricket around the world, not just Australia. and um, His record speaks volumes as well, but I've obviously had it couple of decent conversations with, with Tugger about my batting and um, what we need to do. And even though Steve Smith didn't agree with um, the, the message I ran out there when I was batting with him, it, uh, it's pretty amazing to have those guys around the team and lean on their experiences, um, even though times are, are changing a little bit with um, the way cricket is played. Um, but the, the nuts and bolts of it is very similar. Yeah, it's just a bat and a ball in the end. Correct. It's great to have someone from in the team here because, you know, I, I sort of wrestled with this for a while was I was worried that we were asking too much of Pat Cummins because it's really hard being a fast bowler. It's really hard. Plus you want him to bat and then you want him to be capped. And I thought, well, are we asking too much of of Pat? But but I think two years later the answer is no. He, he's, he's actually stood up to all the challenges, which is – it's an incredible um, run for him. Like, you know, as a bowler yourself, you, you must see that it is must be hard for him. Oh, I think it's hard for anyone, though. The way I look at having Pat as captain is that he's arguably the number one bet in test bowl in the world. Um, and so we're very fortunate to have Steve Smith in the side as well. And he, he's got the vice captaincy, obviously, captains Australia. Um, for for many years as well. So you look at that and you go, well, we've got two of the best cricketers to play the game for Australia and their mindset's leading, leading, leading us. It's only going to be beneficial. And the way um, they're totally different in that Pat is extremely calm under pressure. He, he tries to take a step back and just really take it all in and, and, and move, move, move on like that. Um, where where Smithy's very tactically and, and very very switched on like that, so I feel like we're in a very beneficial area where we're able to tap into both the mindsets as well. That that was my concerns with Pat that in a long test series, are we going to put too much pressure on him? But the results speak for themselves, and you look at how he started the fifty over World Cup. I think one of the reasons we won was just the just. Everyone got better and the team got better. His captaincy got better. Like, he's a very, very smart man. Um, he's, he's one of the only cricketers on this podcast to afterwards sort of ask me how it went, how he, you know, how did it sound. But, yeah, uh, you know, traditionally Australia hasn't picked fast bowlers. But, you know, he's bucked the trend. I mean, he's, he's an incredible human. Yeah, he is. I thought I thought he was extremely smart until we were batting in that partnership, and he, he kept asking me how many runs we needed to get, and I had to tell him a couple of times that I was on the scoreboard. He said, "Look over there," but um, no, but no, he he is he's very switched on, and he's um, he's learning about the game as well, and I feel like his captaincy is, is, is improving each game as well. Yeah, because I mean, it's a bit like Ronnie and uh, Andrew McDonald and Pat. People can get better. Like I, I think. The experience of 
the home T20 World Cup in Australia last year would have really helped Andrew McDonald um, going into this World Cup because, you know, he'd been under that intense scrutiny. And I don't care what anybody says, but stepping up from assistant coach or a state state coach to the big job, it's the, the scrutiny is next level and, and it takes a bit of a while to adjust to that. Yeah, 100%. But uh, their personalities are very similar. Pat and Ronnie, they're very calm guys, They, but they're passionate about what we do as well. So I've got nothing but um, praise for both those guys. I feel like they're what they're doing with the Australian cricket team is uh, very high and um, high achievers, but um, very impressive what they're doing. So I'm very happy to be playing under them, I'll, I'll tell you that. And is it a more of a player-led environment? You know, you've been in the team for 12 years. Who was your first coach? I was trying to think, was it Tim, Tim Nielsen? Tim Nielsen, yeah. Oh, well, I think um, I think the game's changing. The game's getting a lot more professional um, with recovery, with training, um, with workloads and all, all that stuff, there's a lot more numbers going into it. So uh, I wouldn't say it's it's player-led. There's a lot more opportunity for players to have conversations, honest conversations with physios, medical team, head coaches, um, selectors, captains. Um, so I feel like that that's a real benefit. Um, but it's definitely it's definitely changed from when the likes of Haydos and these guys were playing. Uh, that's for sure. And um, do you mind having, like, head selector George Bailey in the nets and hanging around? Like, in the past, there was always, you know, concerns that if you had a head selector around, it might affect the way you prepare because you're all nervous. No, well, it doesn't affect me. I've obviously played a lot of cricket with George and we had that amazing, what, anniversary of 10 years ago when we won 5-0. 13-14. Um, and he played that, um, his five test matches here, here in Australia, so... I've got a really good open relationship with George. Uh, I don't mind having the selectors around. I understand where where people can can say that, especially early early in your career, um, and you you worry about that stuff. But I still still believe it allows you to have those honest conversations, and you feel like you can uh, talk to selectors and find out what they're thinking. And there's that much cricket being played now. You can see off the back of the World Cup, they're straight into five T twenty. So. It does allow conversations to be had and, and opportunities for other players as well. And someone else to wang a few down as well. Yeah, he's, he's not bad on the winger. That's good. Um, so, great year. Um, you know, just want to just quickly look back at that Indian tour at the beginning of the year. Uh, I feel like, you know, this Australian test side is just so close to getting that signature away win that you quite haven't nailed yet, the, the Ashes in England, the, the victory in India. You know, do you sort of have... Did you learn a lot from the way the tour started? Where really from the times in the second test where Australia was dominating, and then third test, fourth test played really well. You know, did you learn a lot from that slow start? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I learned a lot from the Cutler series beforehand as well. I, I feel like we let let the Cutler opportunities really slip there. Just disappointing, if I'm being honest with you. We're in front in Delhi. Two hours of madness lost us the game, and we went to indoor and had an unbelievable win there. So, if you look at look at that, you're potentially looking at if Delhi went our way, you're looking up two one going into the last test match, and who knows what wicket we potentially would have played on. But I oh know we're we're close, we're close in India, but then also a long way away. So it's it's a unique feeling, but I know I've got a lot of belief in in the side. So. 
if I was to go again, I'd be I'd be confident we'd be able to do it. Where does that two hours of madness come from? Don't know. Just just want to, you just Don't when know. you just get on a roll and can't stop it when it's the yeah. Hysteria. Well, I've been I've been lucky enough to have it when I'm been bowling a couple of times and you feel the pressure build up on them and, and as a bowler you relax and you just, you know that you're winning half the battle already and you haven't even bowled the ball yet so um I know yes happens yeah I'm not going to sleep tonight now you brought that up <laughs> okay All right, well uh you, you mentioned your tours of India I mean you know, 2017 with that my mate our mate sock taking you know this team's been really close to getting those that result in India, which is pretty amazing when you look at their home record that you've actually been able to really challenge them. Yeah, well, you look at that 2017 when Sock took 12 in that first test match and in Bangalore we were only chasing 170 on the last day or might have even been day four. That's another big opportunity. You look at that, if we get chased down 170, we're 2-0 up going into two more test matches. In, um, so... I don't know. I feel like we've improved each time we've gone there, but a couple of hours of madness has, has set us back and it's made me come home and if I had hair, I'd pull, pull it out. But it's, <laughs> well, they're yeah. improving as well, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're improving, but I don't know. I feel like we had an opportunity there and unfortunately India were too good. Uh, now, uh, I know you've got you set your sights on the next Ashes to go back in, what, uh, 2027? So that would be fantastic. Can you please just tell the captain to, to bat first at the Oval? Yeah. Yeah, yet again, I wasn't there for that one, but I was there for when Pony, Pony did it. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to. You're, <laughs> you're asking a spinner, though. I'd like to bat first yeah. on every ground. Exactly. Uh, please. All right, just wrapping things up, big summer ahead, Pakistan and the West Indies, you must be thrilled to get back out there, you know, so close to 500 test wickets, you know, exiting halfway through Lords. It must be a real hunger to get that bag of green back on. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm probably hungrier than I've actually ever been, which is exciting. Um, I look at it and look at it, there's a massive opportunity for me here and um, I've been able to come home throughout my rehab, reset some goals and um, throughout that journey of rehab I've the hunger to play cricket for Australia has probably gone um, to a new level, which is, I don't know, I find it exciting and something that I'm pretty pretty excited about is heading over to Perth and playing against Pakistan at Optus Stadium, which is going to be pretty fun on the 14th. Start that build-up to defending the World Test Championship, hopefully in the final. Uh, well, no, thanks for joining me on Cricket Unfiltered. Can't wait to watch you in action with the baggy green this summer. I hope you take a truckload of wickets. Too easy. Thanks for having me, mate. Great stuff. Well, terrific to talk to Nathan Lyon and have him on the show. I've been doing some work with him in the Piccolo podcast studio, so I roped him into having a chat. Good to get a few of those questions off the chest. He's, he's a terrific guy. Um, um, all right, so I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Took a bit of a, a few days off after the World Cup. I was pretty cooked after that Australian victory. It was so sensational. But Gavin and I have booked in a podcast soon we're going to do all the cricket news uh got to get james basley back on the show but thanks everybody a lot of people have reached out recently about the show they ran into some some great listeners um a couple of weeks ago at a charity game so terrific to meet the listeners and thanks so much for the support and i'll be back soon 
This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.